<laughs> come in, come in. Welcome to the Halloween haunt. This is where you'll discover Halloween traditions and history, weird phenomena, and eerie poems and stories to make your hair stand on end. I hope you're ready, because here he comes, the motivator of the monstrous, the beastly boss, the Halloween haunter. <laughs> Getting sweets isn't for the sweet on Halloween. It's for those willing to threaten. Trick or treat. I've told you how early Celtic celebrators of Samhain involved dressing in animal skins to drive away unwanted spirits. That evolved into mumming, dressing as demons, ghosts and such, and acting a fool in exchange for food and drink. That's getting closer to trick-or-treating. By the ninth century in England, souling was popular on November 2nd, All Souls Day. Poor folk would visit the wealthy and get soul cakes in exchange for prayers for relatives of the wealthy. Later on, it was children who went around asking for food and drink. In Scotland and Ireland, children would go guising, promising a song, skit, joke, or poem for some fruit, nuts, or money. So the trick was actually a performance by the child. Actually, they still do that, and they still have to perform for their treat. Perhaps the tradition of Guy Fawkes, the British rabble-rouser celebrated every November the 5th, is related. Mr. Fox was involved in plotting to blow up Parliament in 1605. After he was executed, bonfires, a.k.a. bonefires, were lit in effigy. And by the early 1800s, children put on masks and carried effigies, asking for pennies. English immigrants to America celebrated Guy Fawkes Day. And in the 1800s, an influx of the Irish brought Halloween traditions. By the early 20th century, children in Irish and Scottish communities in both America and Europe were souling and guising, sometimes carrying turnip jack-o'-lanterns, but it quickly devolved into Halloween pranks, causing many thousands of dollars of damage every year. During the Depression, the kiddies really needed to let off steam, and they were vandalizing and even causing violence. The adults had had enough. So in the 1930s, our idea of trick-or-treating was born. Unfortunately, the sugar rationing of World War II put a halt to this activity. However, after the war, it began to catch on again. And once the candy companies got a hold of it, they made sure to market trick-or-treating to the max. It was also helped by the media, using trick-or-treating as plot devices like the Jack Benny radio show, Jack and Jill magazine, and the famous Peanuts Gang, who first trick-or-treated in 1951. Not all adults were on board, with many grousing that they were being extorted for candy, but trick-or-treating was meant to be, and today it is a multi-billion dollar industry, and a favorite activity of children, and many teens, unfortunately. Many places, out of concern for the kitties maneuvering traffic or dislike of kitties bothering poor adults at home, have alternatives, like the so-called trunk-or-treat, or trick-or-treating at the mall, or downtown, or church activities. Some communities simply move trick-or-treating to another day, 
sometimes seemingly arbitrarily. It seems to me, though, that the kitties usually just trick-or-treat twice in those cases, and it never really goes away anywhere. There are similar traditions in other countries, but I'm afraid I need to make sure the haunt is ready for visitors this year. You can find more about trick-or-treating at thehalloweenhaunt.com. Where are those spiders? We need more cobwebs. <laughs>